just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Speaking of Influence, the podcast about public speaking, presentation skills and tools of influence and persuasion with presentation skills expert Johnny Ball. Most online content creators seem to agree that live streaming is the future and definitely the way to go. If you have thought about live streaming and you'd like to give it a try, my recommendation is Restream.io. It's the service I use. And if you use the link in the description, you will get a $10 credit after you complete your first live stream. Welcome to Speaking of Influence. We are running live right now, and I have with me, uh, well, just by the joys of technology, I have with me a wonderful guest who I have had the privilege of chatting with previously. She is an award-winning international speaker. She's an expert speaker, a brand story designer, and she can really help businesses to grow your brand with story power and help you to elevate yourself as an expert. And talk about pitching and branding and all sorts of things. Please welcome to the show Osa Rithard. Well thank you Johnny. <laughs> what a presentation. I'm kind of really honored that you want me on actually. <laughs> you know I, I had so much fun speaking to you. You always get a sense when you when you get a pre-introduction with your guests of what people are going to be like and I knew that I, I I was going to really look forward to speaking to you. We were lucky enough to have been introduced through our good friend Elizabeth and and uh, I just thought, yeah, perfect. You are exactly the kind of person I want to bring on the show. And I know we're going to have some value to add today. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope I, so. I for sure look forward to an interesting conversation because I know that's what we are going to have, right? Let's let's do our best for that. Yes. And you are, you're joining us on the road. You're, you're on your travels, right? Yeah, I am. Where, whereabouts are you today then? Well, uh, we have actually reached reached Sweden now. So when we talked last time, I was somewhere in Spain, I think. Yes, and now we See. are in Sweden. So yeah, it's been, been five around. tough five tough days. We've been traveling. We've been traveling for six months actually. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've taken some time out of your travel schedule to come and speak to us today. And what I'd like to start off by asking you is, uh, what is a brand story designer, and how did you end up becoming one? Oh God, you know that's two questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm naughty. Two questions. So, what is a brand story designer? Well, you know, when you talk about storytelling. And you talk about branding. Not many people know the, the connection between storytelling and branding, but we are actually talking about social branding. So social branding is when people are chatting around about you. The stories they tell about you is your social brand. And right. a story designer, a story designer, as I am, it's my own title. I made it up myself because it tells a story about storytelling and design. Uh, what we do, or I do, is that I try to catch, find, or dig out your authentic story, if it would be you who was my client, your authentic stories that are the most important, golden, shiny, whatever you call it, that people like to hear or tell about you. And then I design those stories so they will be even more smashing and interesting and captivating for the people who needs to hear them. Thus, right. you can use them to promote yourself or build your brand. That's important. Absolutely. Yes. So now we, ha now we know what that is. How, how did you become this? Oh, my goodness. Well, I have a very long winding road when it comes to my professional uh, background. So to make it short, I can say that I a couple of years ago, 
ended up, <laughs> you must ask me if you want the long version. I ended up at the <laughs> master's program at Lund University studying applied cultural analysis for two years. And my main focus was actually the role of storytelling in social networks, like groups, uh, cultures, organizations, and so on. And when I left the university with my brand new master's degree, I realized that it was hard to make people understand what I really did. Mm -hmm. So that was a start. Uh, and I tried to talk to my business uh, partners or no, business friends and colleagues in the small town where I lived, and they were constantly confused. And I was kind of, you know, very eager that they would should understand that I was uh, a trained something. At that point, I actually wanted to do qualitative customer studies. And <laughs> I tried my best to make them understand that I had a high education, a high mm. exam, you know. And after a few months of confusion and not getting any, you know, response that I wanted from people, it hit me or I for some reason understood that the problem was not that they did not understand that I was trained and had a high university exam. The problem was that they for sure knew that as soon as I opened my mouth and they did not understand a bit about what I really did. Right. So I had to I find was, my pitch. It matters, yeah. right? <laughs> it matters. <laughs> so I had to find my own pitch and, and I was really trying to pitch myself in so many ways and I actually gave up in the end. I gave up pitching myself. You know the, the elevator pitch and everything you, you learned uh, or taught to use yeah. when you present yourself? For me, it felt like I was verbally driving over someone with a truck when I made my 30 seconds, because 30 seconds is really long. Uh, I skipped doing all that, and I just gave up. And I started doing what I love most, telling stories, which I also had studied, of course, before and used in my former profession as a pastor and so on, and a communicator. So I told stories, and boom, there was a different response from the people around me. Uh, they started to want to, to hear more. They wanted to, you know, tell me more. And someone even said, this is something I could tell my colleagues at office when they came back from the networking event, right? right. So long story short, uh, I practiced my stories. I refined my methods and I ended up at a big networking event along with a colleague. And I met an American business angel uh, who challenged me. So I pitched myself very short in a few seconds. And she said, wow, that's the best story I've ever heard in Sweden. Oh, the best pitch I ever heard in Sweden. And my colleague was so amazed over the response I got. So she started to tell her friends about that experience. And her story went, wow, can you imagine? Kimberly Cerrone said that Osa had the best pitch in Sweden. <laughs> That's under seven seconds, right? And that was yeah. actually the first time I really experienced the power of a story. Because the story was my, my colleague's story, actually, that she told it for her friends. So that's when it really hit me or, you know, came to my realization that this is something so powerful. And mind me, I had been studying the role of stories in cultural society for year, for like two years or more. But this is when I experienced the full power for myself because that story from my partner made people come to me asking, can you please teach us how to present ourselves and pitch ourselves in a compelling way? Yeah, and it, it makes a big difference. You know, I'm, I'm very aware of that. I, I, was, I was actually having a conversation this morning with a coaching friend of mine, James, who's been, he's been on my other show, my other podcast before now, really good guy. And I, I was talking to him about how it seems like almost everybody's online profile these days, is on LinkedIn that is, has a tagline under it. There's something along the lines of, I help such and such with such and such. Mm -hmm, <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I get that. And it is, maybe it is sort of kind of telling a story, but it's also a bit, everybody seems to be doing that now. And so you really notice it when somebody 
perhaps tells their story a little bit differently and isn't just doing the same thing as everyone else mm-hmm. and, and perhaps spices up their, their taglines a little bit. It's one of the reasons why I changed mine recently to become as persuasive as a cult leader and to know yeah, the presentation. I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, right. So it tells a bit more of a story and hopefully gives people a bit more of an idea of what they do. I think it's a bit more intriguing at the least. Mm-hmm, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I could get even clearer than that. But how important is it in terms of being noticed and, and setting out? I mean, for you, it was clearly very important. Your your work title was complex and people didn't understand what it was really about. But mm-hmm. for, for people in general whose roles perhaps are a bit more understandable or perhaps even a bit more mundane, how important is a story going to be for them? Well, first of all, Johnny, I must say that, you know, no one can say that storytelling is not important because as one person once said to me, without a story, you are dead. So people will always tell stories about you. Uh, That's not a question about that. So the question is, do you want to be engaged in the development of your own story? That's the question. So you need to tell your stories in a compelling and interesting way in order to build on that story, the meta story about you that people are telling, the view of you. And I think, yeah, even if you sell cakes, I love cakes, and I love the, the metaphor of cake selling, you need to be have a good story going around you and your business to sell more cakes. Right. Is that a good answer? <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> what, would be, what would be a good story for a cake business then? Let's stick with your example. Well, I think success stories is good for cake businesses. Yeah. And maybe also, you know, being for everyone, it's good to be sharp in your niche a bit and, and make yourself visible as a real professional and a specialist within your area. So just not doing any cakes, but maybe doing the best birthday cakes or the best creative cakes or the best gluten-free cakes or the best, you know, there is an endless uh amount of different kind of cakes you could be a specialist on and what happens in other people's minds if you find yourself a special niche that makes people remember you for being a good cake maker is that they will think oh she is so good or he is so good in in this area i'm sure she also can make other stuff within that she's all probably also make very good buns <laughs> So the point is, you know, people in common are afraid of telling sharp stories about what they do because they always want to tell everything, you know, everything. So if they do 10 things, they want to tell the 10 things story all the time. But if you can tell one thing about yourself that is really pops out, it will make you memorable. And it will make people, it easy for people to tell other people about you. And that's the most important thing about your brand story, that other people will tell about you to their friends and their colleagues and their neighbors and so on. Right. So you get to put the stories out there that hopefully they're saying about you, like doing doing your NPR. Yes. I'm with you. I'm with you. So this is this is really important. And storytelling is such a powerful thing. We've covered it on the show before in various ways, but there's so many different aspects and facets to it oh, as God, well. Yes. Mm. And uh, and it is highly relevant to anyone who does speaking, professional speaking mm-hmm. in, in any way, shape or form. In fact, it's probably one of the biggest places where people who don't really have that much experience as speakers go wrong in the, is the trying to deliver information rather than stories, I, I would yeah. say, because people don't generally remember information unless you make it very, uh, very engaging. And even then, mm-hmm. you know, if you put it in a story and people will definitely remember it. They will, yes. So uh, it's very powerful stuff that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of businesses do you, do you generally end up working with and helping? I generally end up working with uh, people with complex information. <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> nail it, but you're professionals that are uh, not necessarily highly trained from school, but they have a high level of uh, competence and knowledge and they do complex things. And that makes it hard for them to make themselves understood. So uh, a short pitch for me would be that I help professionals talk so that people understand what they are saying. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's uh, 
So we, we may have some people watching or listening who are wondering how to how to do this. What's maybe some of the first steps that they should be thinking about to make this happen? What? To get their story brand. Their story brand. <laughs> well, the first thing, well, that's so different. Their story brand. So first of all, imagine they already have a business. Is that what you're saying? They have yeah. a business. Most people, and you know, you might not have started your business, but you have something that you're really good at that you want to build a business around. So normally people would say, oh, I haven't done anything yet in my business, perhaps, or you might have done things in your business. It's the same because if you have a skill that people already are asking you to do for them, you are kind of in the business, although you haven't been paid yet. So right. you could take those stories about what you can do for other people and what you did for other people and use them to make more people hear about what you already done. And those stories could also become, you know, refined into the core of your business, the cornerstones, so to say. What, what sort of businesses in your mind are, are good examples of of brand stories well good examples uh, if you take a huge one you could take like the virgin richard branson he's an excellent uh, story maker because you know m creating brand stories you always make people talk about you whenever they experience you hear about you see you use your use your things and they have something you know something to talk about but he's also excellent in another area, and that is creating experiences that will make people talk, if you've thought about it. Yeah. And I think he's very cautious about that, um, creating those wow moments that make people talk about him and tell him about him in the world, and he gone, he's going viral and so on. Yeah. Mm. He's he's maybe maybe a bit quieter these days uh, as he's he's not a young guy anymore. But he's I know he's still uh, active and still doing stuff. But maybe we don't hear so much press about him these days. But mm. but certainly if you look back on all the things he's done, yeah, you can see all of that. And uh, he had I think he's always had a very clear brand of playfulness and yeah, yeah and having wanting to do things differently to how everyone else does and creating those moments, those moments that, as you say, that uh, will stay in people's memories. People create yeah. their own stories then with them. And, you know, sometimes I, I get a question from people that are a bit afraid. Could I do this? Could I post that? And just the other day, I told a priest, actually, that why not post a picture of yourself in the woods, inviting people to come walk with you, as long as it is authentic and it comes from your heart, it's okay, because if if what comes from your authentic heart is not okay, you might need to think twice about what you're really doing out there. And as you know, be authentic, uh, but also that authentic message needs a bit of tweak and a bit of design to actually reach your audience. So because they might not talk in the same way as you or use the same wordings as you. But if you really want to touch someone's heart, you need to think twice on how to communicate to them. Another good example, John, is actually many of the keynote speakers out there who have chosen a very specific theme. Mm. I don't, I don't think I have to mention someone special, but you know, uh, there are speakers who always, always talk about think positive, right, or be happy, <laughs> or and as soon as you see them, you know, oh, the creativity speaker, you know that, right, and uh, that's something to be inspired of to actually have the courage to choose something short sharp and shiny about yourself and then mm. go on communicating that very cautious and and then as i said pick that thing from the authentic you because you can't pretend month after month or year after year to be something you are not you need to dig dig deep within yourself and find your unique message mm. Well, my, my main keynote area is, mm -hmm. is influence and persuasion. That's, yeah. that's my primary keynote talk. What would you recommend that I think about then? Like if we take, go through the sort of process that you might do with a client, what would you recommend to sort of come up with uh, a brand story for me as a keynote? Well, you say what, what's your theme again? Influence and persuasion in, in presentations, primarily. Yes. 
Well, influential presentation. I would say, first of all, I would ask you what kind of audience, what is your target group? Who do mm. you want to teach that to? At the moment, I'm teaching that to nonfiction authors. Nonfiction authors, okay. In what way? Who want to become professional speakers, who want to become expert speakers as well. Ah, and why is that good for them? Because it helps them to promote their books. It helps them to also come up with all sorts of additional products and benefits that are going to benefit their their expertise and their profile. Ah, so you could dig deep, even deeper into that. But this is the kind of answer you could twist into a short statement that you are, what you are actually doing for your business, right? It's not like a headline for the speech as such, right. but because then... It's really more interesting because if you are the keynote speaker slash expert, who knows how to help these kind of writers to do expand their business and actually build the business and earn money from their writing profession, you will uh, soon be interesting for more kind of uh, a bigger audience. But if you niche down, nail down that area, you will find a much more interesting pitch and a much, much more interesting niche that will make me say, oh, wow, is that possible? Can he do that? Wow. No? Right. In yeah. Was that helpful? Yeah, I, it def definitely. Something I'll, I'll have to come back to my replay when I'm doing my notes. And go to, all right, I'm going to have a press pause at this point and have a think about that. Well, yeah. I can offer you an hour. Uh, it will not take me more than an hour, actually. And I can offer you an hour later without, <laughs> the, and we can do it for real. Yes. Yeah, so, that would be great. I will take. Yeah, and there's actually three things you need to consider. The first thing, as I said, is what is it that you can do, uh, and that you love to do and that you really want to do. The second thing is, who can I do it for? No, not this one. The second thing is, who can I do it for? Like, And normally, people within business and experts like you and me, we can come up with a long list of people who we might serve. So yeah. you could help all kinds of writers and consultants or coaches or whatever doing the thing, right? Then you need to pick a certain audience as a start that you love to help and that actually will, will appreciate your help, meaning they will pay you. I'm not saying that because you need to make a living. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. very important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you pick one or two, you know, preferably one group, a bigger group, and then you can actually nail that group even more if you want to. Like you only help females or only help people under 30 or only help people from Bulgaria. What do I know? You know, you can nail it down as much as you want to, right? And the third thing is, based on that and what you love to do, find the channel to reach them. Find the stories they want to hear. Understand what they love that you can talk about with them, you know, to, to catch their attention and keep their interest. That's, that includes social media platforms or other kind of arenas. If there is the most like to read newspapers, you need to find the newspapers to write in to reach them. If you love to read. So, you know, it needs to be a perfect match between you and mm. your audience. So that's uh, the three things. <laughs> Great. Well, what, are the, what are the best ways to find those kinds of things out about your ideal customers? Talk to them. <laughs> uh, and there are more ways. You can actually stalk them as well stalking people on social media is quite easy these days yeah. find the groups where they are hoovering around where they exchange information or seek out friends or whatever and, and and learn more about them what are they talking about what are they asking for help about you know what is interesting to them because you will see what they share what they ask what they struggle with if you find the groups where they are on social media for instance or otherwise, if they are on the clubhouse or wherever they are, you know, you need to find them. Yeah. And, and that allows you then perhaps to interact with them and to yeah. maybe ask them questions and yeah. et cetera. Is, is it a good idea to, do you think, to try and do some kind of survey or do you need to build up some kind of rapport and relationship first? Yes. You know, surveys <laughs> are hard. As I said, I have a master's degree in applied cultural analysis. And if there is something I believe is, it is that people will answer almost anything in any way. 
<laughs> the best. <laughs> I have a great story about that if you care to hear it. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So at one point, a hub, you know, business hub, asked me why students did not want to become entrepreneurs, come to them for help to start the businesses. And I said, why are you, what do you mean? And they said, well, we did a survey. (laughs) And the answer was from the survey that more than like 70% could see themselves as business owners starting a business. And no one comes. Where are they? Sort of. And my answer to that was kind of playful, of course. Well, you know, if you go out on this on town asking people if they could see themselves traveling to the moon, 90% or something would say, yeah, that would be nice. But almost no one would volunteer for doing it <laughs> in real life. Right. So the best way, as I see it, is to actually, you know, provoke people. And uh, I know that you might have seen, just like I have, sometimes people are offering new services or new products without even having them yet, just to see if people want to buy. So you could provoke people, make them angry to see what they are defending or promoting themselves. You know, there are different ways to provoke people or tempt people or make them engage. Just asking yes or no is never so effective. Yeah. But yeah. the Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. but the the other the strategy that a lot of people seem to use, and I, and I encounter this a lot with my private coaching clients as well, is more of a well, if if you make it, if you do it, make it, the the customers will come, the the business will follow, which of course isn't necessarily true, and the the amount of people who don't really do any product or service research or customer research before launching something and then wonder why they're not getting any business or trade for it afterwards and then end up having to when it doesn't work out having to try and refigure but often repeating the same patterns again that it is a critical part that that you're mentioning and one that people try and miss they think because it's something they think people want that they must want it without actually seeing as you say they may want it but they might not be willing to pay for it or they might not be willing to come to you for it uh, or they might want to get it from somebody else who they who, who's mm-hmm. better positioned in the market you just don't know without doing that sort of research first so yeah it makes uh, a lot yeah. of sense yes you know normally there is a right now a huge area for e-courses launches digitization, everything about that. But it still needs to be sold. And that's not as easy as creating the course. Me, I normally, I like to offer right now one-on-one coaching or group coaching one-on-one with training. It's not like coaching, it's like training and I gave support as if I had worked with you one-on-one, but instead in a group. And that's effective because the group also supports each other's, right? (laughs) So in that way, I also can explore what they really need and how I really can help them. And it will end up in e-courses, probably, in some ways. But it's not as easy as as some people might make you think to just, you know, make that million-dollar business in something it's hard work always hard work yeah Yeah. it is and and that's one thing you know we we obviously wish it wouldn't be but the the reality is it if if it was easy everyone would do it and the reality is not everyone does it because it's not easy you have to be prepared that it is there is going to be work involved it is probably going to be harder than uh, it's not plug and play sort of thing yeah and that water and stir it is, and that's another reason for why it is so important to understand your own story and your own needs and what you're really passionate about. So your mission should build on your passion uh, because you are doing it for a greater vision that you have, and that makes yeah. you endure year after year because you just love what you do, right? So yeah, actually, it's... I think the most biggest problem when it comes to selling complex services, which I'm often involved in, is that we, as experts, know what people need. And we want to sell what people need. And we want to talk about what we know that people need. And that is often our toolbox. (laughs) The toolbox, the solution, whatever. But that is very, unfortunately, people is not there yet. So it's not what they want. 
And we need to learn how to talk about what people want to talk about. And that's where storytelling again comes into play. Storytelling is very much about meeting the audience where they are and involve in their conversation, in their storytelling and become a part of their stories because they see us as important. Yeah. Yes, uh, my my good friend Harvecko <laughs> says that uh, you have to you, you have to sell them what they want, but give them what they need. Yes, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, I, I shouldn't tell them here right now, right? <laughs> but you know, once you have actually made them commit to you, because you have promised where you will take them. You can give them what they need, and you need to give them what they need. And at what, and at that point, your clients will love you because you're actually helping them coming through whatever obstacles they have, whatever you know they are really struggling with. Because yeah, it's hard to talk about what people really need if they are not really seeing that need themselves right there and then. But they yeah. will see it eventually. Once you're helping you, then you are helping them to un undo it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my my friend Taki Moore puts it really well. He says, "Sell the vacation, not the flight," because um, you have to. You know, you obviously have to have the flight to get on your vacation. You send them the journey there, and, and as a coach, speaker, trainer, service provider, whatever it is you do, you are selling the journey to the solution. Uh, but you need to sell the solutions and the end result, the outcome, to people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's very, very important uh, and good things to focus on. So probably some people are already getting some aha moments listening, <laughs> listening to this. One, well, one again, area. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. Go on. <laughs> I, I, I was going to move on to it, I think, but you had something else to say. So please. Yes. I think of it as a good presentation. Well, as a good presentation puts in small amusements all through. We don't wait with the good stuff until the end because then people will like bail out or uh, stop thinking about what we're talking about. So the end, like the end destination, they need to get the, the if they're going to Greece, they need to get the bit of feta cheese already on the plane, so to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you p- give them small goals to reach, small outcomes to celebrate on the way, I think. So they yeah. remember. <laughs> I, I wanted to move into talking about pitching with you as well, more mm-hmm. specifically. Cause I, mean, I mean, I guess you know, it's kind of a natural lead, lead on from this and they're not too far unrelated. Like your story brand is, is to some degree part of your pitch. But when, when you are specifically pitching, I mean, whether it's pitching to investors or, or customers, what sort of uh, what sort of advice or help do you offer to people there? Oh, yes, there are so many different kinds. But uh, if you are pitching yourself, you need to always try to meet your audience, the people you are pitching to, where they are. So it's really important to know who they are. So even if you are pitching for investors, it might be different kind of investors. So what do they really need to hear? What makes them tick? So that's the one thing, I think, uh, to try to figure out what kind of focus I need to put in place for the person who is listening to me right now or who I am presenting for. And then it's very much about understanding that it's not only the product that people are buying. It's not only the service that they are buying into. They are buying into you and your passion and your background and how you present yourself and how they can trust you. So I think I offer very much, you know, in my services, I I deliver self-confidence and authority. It, this is really important. If you ever if you ever watch any of these TV shows where people are pitching mm-hmm. to investors, uh, and we and I think they're all, all those shows are all over the world now and have been going on for some time, and you'll you'll very much see that it, it matters how you show up. It's not not just that you have your information together and that it's more than just some sort of half-assed concept in your mind. That it's actually in progress, and there maybe even a, a, there's a product to show people, and you've got sales lined up or already in business, etc. Beyond that, it's who the person is, and it, and if you show up 
if you're a bit sleazy and slimy, if, you, if you're not really, you know, it seems like you're holding stuff back. Anything that's sort of going to lose the, those elements of trust and not not give the investors confidence because that's what they need to have. Is, and just as much for people buying a service as investing money into a company, you require confidence to some degree. Uh, and you need to make sure that you have that. So uh, again, this is this is critical stuff to yeah. you know, people buy you. If you have a confidence, you know the inner. You're safe from within. You have the confidence. It's a grounded confidence. You don't need to overplay things. You don't need to over exaggerate. You can be grounded in front of people, and that's very important. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's one thing. Then the other thing that I do for all clients, wherever, how big or small they are, is number one, build or, you know, create your personal, clarify your personal brand, your profiles, everything for yourself yeah. and for your business. And then based on that, start building your network, your reputation, your social brand. And based on that, you are ready to actually pitch, to actually sell, to actually be a front runner in wherever area you want to be. Uh, and that's the three steps or the three phases all businesses and persons who wants to reach other people's hearts or whatever, sell something, needs to go through because that's what they buy. It's not only your cake. It's your recipe. <laughs> it's your, as a baker, if you yeah. have the passion and the competence to actually create a good cake every day, people will buy your cake. Well, one of the areas, perhaps, <laughs> where, where, one of the areas where people, I feel, fall down a lot with this, uh, and again, I maybe talk partly from personal experience and partly from client experiences as well, is the, is with that confidence that of being able to present themselves well. And as as someone who is an award winning speaker, mm -hmm. you do you, know, you do develop that as a speaker and presenter, and, and that can carry into all sorts of other things that you do in your life as well. Do you feel that being able to do that kind of presentation and to get up and speak in front of an audience has has been uh, incredibly value valuable to your sales life off the stage as well? Mm. Well, it for sure has made it, it's, of course, you know, the more you stand in front of people and as vulnerable and authentic as you are, uh, if you are on the stage, it's more easy to do it privately. But it's also, I think, two different kind of lives or different kind of, uh, what's it called? Way of being. It's not necessar necessary that you are the same person on stage as you are in private. but if it is my stage life and my communication life or so that made me able to tell my stories and capture people or also off stage, then that's it. Because yeah, when it comes to selling, I'm good at creating attraction and you know, interest, catching interest and entertain my audience wherever I am. So hmm. interesting question, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> if, is, <laughs> If if somebody's thinking, well, I want to be able to do that, but I don't have that confidence. What's the what, what should they be think to to be able to feel like they have the confidence to pitch well and to be able to to sell stuff well? Is there anything that they can do to help them build up their confidence? Yes, I sure think there there are there is. Sorry, you know, confidence comes. I think let's put it like this. If you have something, some message that is so important to tell the world that you can't hold it back, you don't need to think twice about confidence, right? So if you are, if you go in to go meet, if you see there is a fire, some, you know, there is a fire and everybody needs to get out because they will, unless they will die, you will not think twice about being afraid of communicating, right? Right. So, I used to put together messages every week in my former life. And the one thing I was looking for when preparing every week was something that I was 100% convinced myself that other people needed to hear. So, if you 
as a business owner or a professional consultant or whatever you are, an expert, can find those golden nuggets or convictions that this is so important that I have my, my plight is to tell the world this is what they need to know. I think that's key for any communicator to find those messages that are so important that you can't hold them back. So that's a, a little bit like what Mihai Mihai talks about in the book Flow, right? I mean, having this objective that is bigger than just about you, making it about more than just what, what you want for yourself, that when it becomes about something more than that, when it becomes about others or being of service, that that is powerful enough to to take you through the challenges, to overcome the obstacles that might otherwise come up, which, which you know, are more often than not, us getting in our own way and saying, oh, I don't, I can't do it, or I don't, oh, I don't what will people think of me and all those kinds of things, right? That, it, yeah. that becomes less relevant and you just say, well, it's not for me, it's for them, so let's go and do it anyway. Yeah, and it's also like, you know, it's, it can be very freeing because, you know, if you say, I need to sell, I don't know how to sell. How can I sell to them? For many people, that just, you know, it gives you like cramp or anxiety or whatever. And, you, and then you get this stage fright, so to say. You don't know how to communicate. But if you are only communicating what you truly believe is important to tell the world, if you are inviting people into that conversation, offering your services or your your knowledge to them, and just yeah, with an open hand. Can you see my hand? So with an open hand like this. Yeah. Take it or leave it. You know, if it's if you think that this is as important as I believe it is, then I'm here. Take my hand. See? And when I was a pastor, have I said that already in this show? Yeah. Yes, when I was a pastor, I had that kind of way of communicating because we are supposed somewhere to tell the truth to people. But that's not, right. in, you know, no one wants to be told anything. So to 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 be able to put yourself beside someone else and say, hey, are you like me? Do you find this hard? Isn't this devastating? Isn't this troublesome? I don't know about you, but I think that this is really important to deal with. And I made some studies. I found that there are there is a way to go through this or solve this? What if we did this and this and that? What if everyone around us could follow us on that road? Can you see that that would change the world, the society, or even you? Yeah. See? And that's far from the megaphone conversation, the PR we have been used to, the commercials or the sales processes. This is more inviting people into a conversation. Uh, and, you know, I have this seven-second pitch method that I teach. Oh, yeah, tell us. <laughs> yes. well, I, I, it's about pitching in seven seconds. So I do workshops about that and I hold courses about that. And it's actually a whole method. That's my point. So the method is catch attention, keep the uh, interest and then somewhere they they will be motivated to ask for more action so the call for action is actually when when people you meet say hey i need your help or hey tell me more and that's actually a conversational style of story dropping uh, pitch you know catching for attention go into conversation and use your stories to drop them into the conversation and and have this conversational style with people you meet on and on or off social media on or off stage yeah so just yeah. recap that process for us one more time <laughs> the process the seven second yeah. pitch well on paper well when i teach it it is you know catch someone's attention within a few seconds you have a hook or a line, a very short seven-second story, for instance, is good. And that will make them say, hey, tell me more. Well, not maybe in those words, but somehow they will, they they show the, you that they want to hear more. And then you go into conversation telling your stories, shorter or longer, in a, a deeply relevant and authentic conversation with the person you meet. And at some point, they will ask for more more information or more help or something else and that's action right. 
So we have attention plus interest that goes into action, the call to action. Uh, yeah, uh, and it's so it's so important to understand if we go back to the social branding where we started to understand that the point of the whole thing is to make people interested in you, to make people want to have a piece of you in their world. It's not about them coming to you; it's about them letting you in to their world. Because you are important in their world for whatever purpose they have going on, where you can be of help. Great stuff. Yeah. So yeah. We, we've we've covered a lot. We've had, we've mm-hmm. had some some value bombs as well. So thank you so much for all, for all of that. Now I, I know from our talk before that you have you have a course as well that people can sign up for. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yes. <laughs> you can find more information if you go to my webpage readhard.com. So Great. I have a, a monthly webinars that are actually free right now with the Q&A on small snippets of information. And then I have a big promo- program that opens like twice a year or three times a year. So not right now. And then I have small courses offering sometimes. <laughs> It's a good pitch, no. (laughs) (laughs) But if people if people come and check out your if people come and check out your website, they can register Mm -hmm. and and be informed of what's coming up and when and what they can sign up for. Yes, yes. Yeah, fantastic. (laughs) Hopefully, well, look. I mean, frankly, people hopefully have got the value already through through our conversation today and should already have a good idea that you're a great person to come and check out and find out more from as well. I want to ask you though. If you, if I asked you to recommend me a, a book or a, a resource that might help, maybe to do with my branding or maybe just something that you think would be really useful, what, what would be a book or resource recommendation that you would give people? Oh, God. You know, uh, I, I'd, I would love to recommend my own book, but I haven't printed it yet. So <laughs> it we'll, come we'll, come, we'll, we'll, we'll come back around on that one in the future then. Yes, we will. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and I'm myself, I'm a bit of a nerd, as you know, but there is a book I think maybe more people would love to read, and that's Wired for Story. Lisa Cron, right? Yeah, Wired for Story. Great I really book. love that book. And it's also lovely to read. It's really catchy. Yeah, she's and great. It's, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there is so much in that book about how story works and what, how it, the role of story in hum, for humans. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a very interesting book. Uh, yeah, yeah. I recently read Story or Die, which is by her as well. And uh, she was saying, I don't know, uh, mm-hmm. that where the stories evolved from originally was like keeping each other alive. We tell us, tell each other stories about, you know, which plants we are safe to eat, which areas are safe to travel in. And the stories have been critical to our, to our survival. It's no wonder we yeah, pay attention to them now. You know, you said before that so many experts would, would be benefit from using storytelling. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I hear people say, well, we might try storytelling sometime to transfer knowledge like numbers or whatever. But, you know, and that's true because you truly can that because you can, you can never you tell a story without transforming information. Every story is infused with information about the context where the story was written. And I just went to, I just t- took a class myself. I went to a course in writing children's book about oh, wow. animals. So it's faction, how to, you know, teach kids uh, facts about animals through writing kids' stories about animals based on the facts of the animals. Really fun. That's an, an interesting idea. Yeah. Do you, outside, <laughs> of, outside of children's stories, do, do you have a favorite storyteller yourself? Oh, well, he's Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You can say the name. <laughs> I don't know how international my audience is, but no, so he, he's actually an actor and a writer. His name is Jonas Gardell. I love him. Uh, so maybe it's, uh... but you know, uh... yeah, and I love movies. <laughs> <laughs> Me, me too. Although uh, my, the kinds of movies I tend to like are uh, a very sort of populist movies. Very, I like all the superhero and sci-fi stuff. You know, 
complete mm. nerd. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I've heard this week there's going to be a new Star Trek film as well. So I'm, I'm very happy boy right now. <laughs> oh, I just found a substitute for Bridgetons. So I'm happy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, let, let me ask you, before we, before we wrap things up for today, if there was one one piece uh, of advice or some final words that you'd like to leave the audience with right now, what, what would you say? I think I say this every time to, to anyone, I think, almost. Stop thinking that you are not good enough because the world is waiting for you to make the difference you are born to make. And everyone else looks so professional just because you see them from outside and they will see you as as professional as you are because they see you from the outside so stop downplaying yourself and start believing in that you actually have an important contribution to make because you are unique with your unique combinations of experiences and uh, competences and knowledge and whatever you have and uh, go out there and do your best yeah (laughs) Also, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today, and I hope you'll come back again in the future. Come back when you launch your Me book, too. and we'll and we'll we'll talk about your book next time as well. And just stay stay on the line because there's a, a few things I want to uh, talk to you about after after the call. As oh well. yeah, I would love to talk to you. And uh, pity for the audience who don't have to can be with us and here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this, this is one thing that with, with the show now, I'm putting out uh, and people watching, watching the replay can see this. So I'm putting out invitations to join us in the live stream as audience members. You don't get to be on screen with us, but you do get to come and join us as audience members. And if you do that, if we have people come and join us in the live audience, we'll give a few extra minutes to the audience at the end of, we'll go off the live recording and then we'll yeah. have a bit of Q and A with guests in the future. So next time you come back, we'll so we'll ho- hopefully have a bit of a, a Q and A session at the end as well with some of some of the audience yes but, i love that <laughs> yeah right it's, it's, yeah. it seems like a, a great a great way to add some value and get more people involved and interactive and uh, we'll make those publicly available as well but they won't go out yes you heard my own talk shows i always have q a with the audience because i love talking with people yeah. It's a really nice thing to do, and the podcast, the, the podcast itself, doesn't necessarily allow us that much time to do that. Uh, but that's what we're bringing in the future. So, if you want to be a part of that, if you're watching or listening, and you'd like to be a part of that, just make sure you're following me on social media, follow my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook or you know, Twitter is a good one as well. And you can come and find out more about that and join us in the live studio audiences with our guests and come and hang around for the Q and A where you get to ask them some questions as well. And and uh, it's going to be great. So look forward to that. Make sure you're following the show. Also, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we'll catch up again soon. And that's it from us. So thank you for joining us for Speaking of Influence. We'll see you again very soon. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Whilst you're here, why not pop over to presentinfluence.com and grab yourself a copy of the last minute presentation checklist. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps you'd like to know more about presentation skills and public speaking, or maybe you'd like to find out about how you can be a guest on the show, pop over to presentinfluence.com. You'll see under my profile links, there are links to the application processes for the show. If you would like to be my guest for free at the PodFest Global event that is coming up this May, starts May 3rd, 2021, then please check the show notes for links to the PodFest Global event. I am going to be one of the guest speakers during the first week of the event, and I'd love you to join me there as my guest. You can find details of how to attend for free in the show notes. Hope to see you there.